my prayer this morning is that each one of us, from as a result of this message, will be inspired with what I would term as a Tabasco sauce message. I want it to be fiery, I want it to give you heartburn, but heartburn for the right reasons, okay? I want you to have a burning heart for Jesus. In this message I've just termed as divine fire, I want to ask you, are you fired up for Jesus? Are you fired up for Jesus? Now theologians have debated the question, this question for centuries, why did Jesus come to the planet? Well, according to John 10.10, 10, we know that Jesus said, I've come to give life and to have it in abundance. And also, according to Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. In Matthew 20, verse 28, um, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to give his life as a ransom for many. So we've more or less established why Jesus has come. And you're probably aware of these scriptures, but... Did you know that Jesus also said that he came to bring fire on earth? Are you aware of that? Read it for yourself in Luke chapter 12, verse 49 and 50. It says, Jesus said, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. See, Jesus wanted to bring fire on the earth. He wanted to change people's hearts. He wanted to change people's lives. But he got here and he noticed that there was no fire in the people. There was a fire he brought to earth, but he was wishing that that fire had already been ignited. But he would, as a result of all that, he would have to endure a baptism because the people weren't on fire for him. And there was a baptism of suffering. The fire that I want us to talk about this morning is not a literal fire, it's a spiritual fire inside of each one of us. Today, I believe God will be speaking to us about having a burning, excited excitement for the dynamic of the Holy Spirit at work in us. I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of pretend Christianity. I'm sick and tired of different little moves and pockets of moves here and there. You might say, well, gee, that's a... Okay, maybe sick and tired is not the right word, okay? Maybe I'm discontent at that. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. I, I, I believe that, you know, we're all waiting for some special thing to happen. I'm going to say a couple of things here, and I'm not here to step on people's toes, but I want you to hear my heart. We run from one move of God to the next move of God. I know of pastors who went to Toronto when they heard about the Toronto blessing. Remember the Toronto blessing? Fantastic. And they got all wobbly over there and they came back to their churches. And I know guys that gave up their churches, went back to Toronto following the blessing and then eventually the blessing sort of ran out. Then it went down to Pensacola in Florida. So they went all the way down to Pensacola in Florida and they got that for a couple of years and they kept going from, bless, from, from, from this one move of God to another move of God to another move of God. Call it what you will in terms of what I'm about to say, but you know there are even some moves where you've heard about the gold dust and people's fillings suddenly becoming like gold. In any move of God, you've got to look for the fruit. What's the fruit that's coming out of that? If we had gold dust suddenly appear here, and if I ever catch anyone glittering the floor, because trust me, I know for a fact that Pastor Sean's been in churches where the past where we've 
He's preached in churches in the States before where he's found people going around glittering the floor. Oh, look, gold dust, pastor, you've preached here. We found them out. It upsets me. You know, look, no offence, if it was real gold dust, I get out the dust buster, I suck that sucker up <laughs> and put it in the tyres. There we go. But you know what? What happens out of these gold things? You know what it does? It empties a whole heap of really good churches. People run down there because the gold dust is there and they get there for a couple of months and then all of a sudden, where's the gold dust go? I don't think God ever, I don't think Jesus ever came just to give little fleeting glimpses here and there. He wants us to be on fire for him. And the trouble is in the church that we've lost the Tabasco anointing. We go from hot to cold to kind of lukewarm, back to cold. Oh, we get hot again at the next move. I'm sick and tired of that. I believe that, thank you, Joe. Uh, I think, you know, I believe that in this place, we need to come to a place where we understand that God wants us to have that fire at work in us. Amen? I've got five points to this, and I'm going to try and quickly get through this. I want you to understand today that God's fire illustrates his dazzling presence. In the scriptures, God sometimes revealed himself through a physical representation, which we call a theophany. Fire is, most, is the most common theophany. You can think about it when he appeared to a Moses, remember, in the burning bush, on fire, okay? Um, God appeared to the Israelites as a fire on the mountain in Exodus. Um, uh, when they built the tabernacle, they made their first sacrifice in the Holy of Holies. Again, God created himself as a pillar of fire by night and a, and a cloud by day. On, the, uh, on uh, Mount Carmel, Elijah stood there and he called down fire from God and God showed up and he burned up the whole sacrifice. See, there's something about fire. Think about on the day of Pentecost... They didn't run around with tongues of water on their head, okay? They had the tongues of fire on their head. It was John the Baptist was asked if he was the Messiah. He said, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I is coming, whose thongs or sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, the more I read this, the more I understand God's a hot God. He wants us hot for him. He wants us on fire for him. But I don't mean some sort of like a, 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 a match where you, oh yeah, that's really good, and that goes out. I don't think he ever created anointing like that. I believe he wants us constantly burning for him. Amen? See, when your heart is on fire for something or for someone, that means you're passionate about that person. You know, I remember living in Hurston, uh, going back into the 80s, and I met this little girl all the way down at Brighton, right over here. And I would drive quickly, okay, and I would drive constantly to go and see her because I had a, per a burning passion in my heart for her. I would travel that distance. Isn't it funny, Jesus came to give us that kind of same sort of burning passion uh, for a love relationship with him. See, if God is like fire then there are a number of things that he needs us to understand in terms of that fire at work. I want you to understand this today, that God's fire generates unlimited power. He's got unlimited power is available to you. There's a scientific field which is called thermodynamics. I know you've all read about it. But it deals with the relationship between heat and mechanical energy. 
Uh, for those of you who are really deeply mechanical like myself, not, okay, um, you'll know that the engine in your car usually needs oil and water. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so uh, I found that out as a 17-year-old. I said, Dad, the car's not working. Did you put water and oil in it? I'll be right back. So, um, you know, almost cooked an engine once and... Anyway, okay, we won't go there. It's just me being transparent. Anyway, if you take that motor and you put um, uh, a fuel, when fuel goes into there, in that internal combustion, as uh, soon as there is fuel, there's an ignition source and, and the spark plug goes off, it causes an explosion. That's thermodynamics. And what it does is it forces the, the uh, piston down and, t- mm, 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 and the rest of it works. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so I hope you got all that. Rightio? That's the way my dad explained it to me. No, 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 he didn't. Think about it, electricity is produced in plants that use gas or coal, or, or, or nuclear for that matter, and it transforms heat into power. When you plug an appliance into your home, that electrical current is then transformed back into some other kind of energy. But I want you to think of a new concept today, and I want to call it spiritual thermodynamics. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit living in you is like the fire of God that generates the power you need to live the Christian life. But the trouble is, some of us don't have that fire in us. We try and live the Christian life, we try and do the holy thing, and we come to church, we try and read our Bible, and we go, it's just not working for me. How come it works for him, or how come it works for her, and it doesn't work for me? It's because that fire hasn't been kindled deep inside of us. Yet, dare I say it, all of us, God's got a gifting on on the life of every person. Right down to little Luca, right down to little William, who's yet to appear, okay? He's got a gift and a talent for each one of us. But the trouble is, if you don't know what that gift and talent is, could it be that you haven't kindled the fire of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you? Because think about this, when you light a fire... It not only gives heat and energy, but it also gives light. And when that, when that Holy Spirit is lit up inside of you and it's fanned in the flame, then all of a sudden you start to see what those giftings are. The light from that fire begins to show you what it is. This is your spiritual thermodynamics. God gives you power to share your faith, to forgive people who've hurt you, to love the unlovely. See, in your own strength, you've heard me say it before, you cannot live the Christian life. You can try and do it for a certain amount of time, but then the wheels will fall off your life. You know, we all become sort of spiritual actors. We can't do that. Only with the Holy Spirit burning inside of us can can it work. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But the fire of God in your heart will be like a spark that generates energy that you need to live the Christian life. John says that we have an unction from the Holy Spirit. Now, the key to spiritual dynamics is you can't function without the unction. I mean, that's the bottom line. You can't function if that fire isn't burning deep inside of you. Fire will only keep burning as long as there's a fuel, as there's a fuel source and that there is oxygen. But when it runs out, but when it runs out of either, it goes out. The fire goes out. Now, see, I want you to understand this. God is eternal, but the power he provides us is something that we just take sometimes for granted. We just expect God's always going to be there. We must tend to the fire in order to keep it burning. Think about young Samuel when he was in the, in the temple. What was his job? Make sure the fire never goes out. That was his job. 
He was to tend to the fire. Years ago, I remember Dad, when Dad was our sort of youth pastor um, in the uh, youth and young adults back in a new farm church eons ago, uh, Dad did this thing called the torch run. We ran from Brisbane all the way to Nambour carrying a torch. Remember that? Yeah, we had, uh, yeah, at the time in the youth group, Dad had a, a young guy in a wheelchair. Well, at one stage there, he wanted to do it. So there was, they got him out, put the wheelchair, because we had this bus that would follow us. We had uh, put the wheelchair out, put, I um, can't remember his name. It'll come to me. Who? Nigel. Nigel, yeah, we put Nigel in the wheelchair. He grabbed that torch. I tell you, he felt a million bucks. And my dad pushed him all the way up the, uh, the freeway, um, you know, for a, a kilometre or two. <laughs> I think by the end of it, his wheelchair tyres were almost burning, you know what I mean? But we never let the fire go out. If the fire went out, we had actually had the special box where the fire had been lit in, there, uh, lit in um, where was it? Lasani, was that, is that in Geneva or somewhere like that? In Switzerland? It had been lit there and it had been taken out and it was, being, it was going right around the world and it was more or less spreading the light of the gospel. Anyway, our run, uh, our run was from uh, Brisbane up to Nambour. And there we were, we would carry the torch. The job was to never let the torch go out. That's your responsibility. Don't let the fire go out in you. See, if you don't tend to the fire, it will simply burn out. If you don't read the Word of God, the fire will go out. If you don't take time to pray and to spend regular copious amounts of time with God, the fire's going to go out. You can't get it just from listening to the latest CD series. You don't get it from just running off to this particular move over here or to this miracle over here. God wants to do miracles in this place without you having to run somewhere else. Am I telling you you can't go and visit other churches? No, but I believe it's an incredibly unwise thing to do. Why? You know, because I believe God wants to do that particular move here. The trouble is, when you go and take yourself out from under this covering, you go and experience something else that's over there, you know, I wonder sometimes if we grieve the Holy Spirit by running from one thing to another, when in actual fact, if we do it in here, and we fan in a flame the gift of God that is inside us, God's going to do something. I want you to pause for one moment and ask yourself, has the fire gone out in my heart? Not my heart, your heart, okay? <laughs> Was there ever a time when you were more excited and fired up for God than you are right now? Has your zeal or your passion for, for Jesus gone cold? In the 60s and the 70s, being cool was a cool thing. I still remember the 70s. I had the Fonzie t-shirt. Remember Fonzie? <laughs> yeah, he, you know what I mean? Yeah, Fonzie. He was the epitome of cool. Everyone wanted to be cool. I felt cool with Fonzie on my chest. <laughs> okay, yep, anyway. Yep. To be cool, you had to look disinterested. You never got excited. You were never really passionate about anything. You were never in a hurry. You always just kept one hand in your jeans and you looked bored all the time. You were just uh, cool, man, okay? The problem is that we have too many cool Christians. Paul said that he was a fool for Christ. But we're too busy trying to be cool than being a fool for Jesus. We, had to, uh, we have to replace the... the we have to replace the fiery, dynamic Christian life with some sort of mediocre substitute. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, don't put out the Spirit's fire. That's a warning to us. Don't put it out. Have you done that? See, spiritual fervor and fire can extinguish just by being apathetic. 
I'm pretty confident, and I'm not a prophet, okay, but during the course of this week, some of you did not want to get out of bed, correct? Yep, oh, come on, we're going to talk about honesty next week, okay. I know because there are some mornings my phone would go off and I would hit it and, you know, know, I just want to go back to sleep. Some mornings you just don't want to get up. And sometimes, sometimes that's when the enemy says, I've got them right where I want them. Let's just make, you know, you, know, you don't look forward to the day. When you don't have an expectation, a, a zeal, an excitement for what God's going to do during the course of that day, I mean, it should be a wake-up call to you. If you wake up and you don't feel like getting out of bed, then that's probably, that's probably the day when you really need to push forward. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. See, if you ne- neglect prayer and, you, and you, your, time, your quiet time with God and, and coming into regular fellowship, the fire will go out. You don't, maybe you won't lose your salvation, but you will lose the joy of your salvation. You'll lose your zeal, you'll lose your edge, you'll lose your fervour. It's a story of a pastor who uh, had been in a small church for three years and he met a man on the street one day and introduced himself. The man said, oh, I'm a member of your church. And the pastor was polite and said, well, you know, it's funny, I've been there for three years and I don't ever remember seeing you attend one of our worship services. And the man replied, mate, I said I was a member, not a fanatic. Think about that. Many people are more concerned with not being called a fanatic than getting on fire with Jesus. Now, we have all know we've come across people who are a little bit, you know what I mean, with the birds when it comes to spiritual things, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I used to know a, a friend of mine who I grew up with, his mother would be standing at the kitchen sink and, oh, among the glory of God, you know, I, I think it was just to stop washing up, but anyway, and she would fall on the floor and the father would come and say, oh, oh look, you know, such and such, would you please help us get your mother up and, oh, I'm still slain and she would be slain on the couch for an hour with Jesus, um, uh, she, she really gave, I hate to say it, she gave her family a real, a bad impression of God. Uh, so much so that her son uh, walked away from God, divorced his wife and children, went off and shacked up with another woman. The daughter went and got married, she went and got divorced. There was nothing, no strong foundation to their life. Now, I don't think Jesus wants us to be fruity. I think Jesus wants us to be real. And the trouble is, when we start to try and act to bring something out, that's when we start to confuse people. We start to confuse the message of the gospel. I'm not asking you to be fanatical. I'm asking you to be on fire for Jesus. Thirdly, God's power eliminates all of our impure qualities. I've been researching, Pastor Sean loves uh, more of a traditional uh, sort of style worship in the mornings and and which is great because I don't know any of the new songs, so um, people are inflicted with all of my old t- Chris Tomlin songs, much to Sam's delight. And because um, uh, I, you know, oh, I know you like Chris Tomlin too, but you know, it must be. I, I'm glad I'm not the same age as Pastor Sean, but I must be getting there. Anyway, um, I, I went through the songs that I know spoke to my spirit in the last years, and I remember that old song, "Refiner's Fire." Anyone remember that song? I won't sing it for you because it won't be good, okay? But, you know, Refiner's Fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, God. It would be really good if we sung that next Sunday. Anyway, (coughs) um, thank you, God. Okay. But that's what God's power does. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 2, that he is like a refiner's fire, like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and 
purifier of silver. See, when God's fire is burning in your heart, it will remove all the dross, all of the impurities out of your life. Remember, well, not that you remember, but back in 1665, the residents of London were dying in their thousands from the bubonic plague. And uh, it spread from house to house due to the, the very poor living conditions. Rats and fleas spread the germs throughout the city. Almost 30,000 people died, and that's almost a third of London's population at the time. Remember the song, remember the, um, the nursery rhyme, Ring a Ring a Rosie? Pocket full of poses. We used to do it with the kids in the pool. Sam and I are going to demonstrate to you, for you right now. No, no, seriously. I'm sorry, I just need a sip. Is that all right? Believe it or not, that nursery rhyme, sorry, that nursery rhyme came out of the time of the Black Death or the bubonic plague. Ring a ring of Rosie. The first symptom that appears is a ring of red sores, a pocket full of posies. It was believed that by carrying posies and holding them under your nose, it would protect you. A tissue, a tissue, the sound of sneezing was often an early sign of it, an early symptom, and we all fall down. I don't have to tell you what that means, okay? <laughs> okay, right. See, the plague was so bad that, um, that uh, experts surmised that the entire population of London would have died if it had not become checked. But on the 2nd of September, um, 1666, the Great Fire of London broke out and it burned uncontrollably for five days. Believe it or not, when the fire had totally died down, the people soon discovered that the rats and the fleas that had been killing, uh, that had been killing people through the epidemic were suddenly halted. Suddenly, London was purified because of a refining fire that killed off the illness. The fire cleaned the city of all of its impurity and people lived. See, that's what God's fire can do for you. His fire is purifying, it's a cleansing flame. The trouble is, we all walk through fire experiences in life. Unemployment, sickness, financial lack, whatever it might be, there's a fire that each one of us has to walk through. It could be relationships, it could be emotional issues, but whatever it might be, God wants us to walk through that fire and He wants us to trust Him. Yeah. Pastor Sean was sharing uh, about a week I think it was last week, speaking about this whole concept of crisis. If you look at the word crisis in the Chinese, okay, it's actually made up of two particular characters, two particular meanings. Crisis either means danger or it means opportunity. The trouble is, every time we are faced with a situation that seems like fire, it seems like it's going to be something that's going to scorch us, hurt us, it's going to bring uh, some sense of lack... We've got to go into it either going, oh, this is dangerous, it's going to be terrible, you know, the, the glass is half empty sort of attitude, and we stray away from the fire. But what we don't understand is through going through that experience, remember what happened to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when they were thrown into the flames. Where was Jesus? He wasn't outside the furnace, he wasn't at the end of it, he was in the midst of the flames. And that's the same place God wants us to be. He knows that when we go through those fiery trials and tests and the like, in the midst of those fires, God wants us to trust Him. He wants us to trust Him wholeheartedly and believe that that refiner's fire is going to burn off all of the uh, bad thoughts, all of the disbelief and everything like that that you get worked up in your life. Take your eyes off your personal situation, put them onto Jesus. 
Remember what we learned at Rubicon, what Pastor Andrew Hughes said. You must look up. <laughs> I like that. Up. Anyway, unfortunately, um, the Welsh weren't looking up enough anyway for their football uh, yesterday. It's sad to get beaten by the French. Anyway, okay, so, but anyway, so what God wants us to do is he wants us to understand that there is a refining fire. I'm getting ready to finish. Here we go. But the thing I want you to understand is this. For us, with the fire that's burning inside of us, you've got to understand that God's fire captivates the attention of people. When you get on fire for God, people notice it. When you become a fruit loop for Jesus, okay, it can be very dangerous. But when you get truly on fire for God and you're following after him, people notice it. There's a funny story about an oil well in West Texas that was burning out of control. Um, the area where this, um, uh, this uh, oil well was was, uh, was near Midland. So the Midland and Odessa fire departments were unable to get close enough to put out the fire. It was burning so powerfully, it was burning away. And the owner of the well offered $50,000 to any fire department that could put out the fire. A few minutes later, a single old ranshackled uh, fire truck burst through the, um, burst through the gates um, and um, it, was, uh, it, was, um, it belonged to the No Trees, no Trees Texas Volunteer Fire Department. And it came barreling by all of the other trucks and rolled to a grinding halt right in front of the burning well. The volunteer firefighters jumped out of the truck screaming and yelling um, and they took their hoses and they were wetting each other down. And then they all of a sudden started putting out the fire at the well. The fire went out and the owner approached the fire chief and he handed him a check for $50,000. And he said, congratulations, what are you going to do with this money? And the old fire chief, who looked like he could hardly stand up, said, I'm going to use this money to fix the dang brakes on our fire truck. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) don't you see, that's sometimes what God does. He puts you into situations, he allows situations to come across your path that you wonder, how did I ever get here? How did I ever get here? But what you don't understand is there is a blessing that's waiting right around the corner. I mean, there's a part of me got up this morning and I was you know, getting ready for church and I'm saying, brush my teeth, thinking, what were you thinking? What are you thinking? You've got your church at City West. Why are you doing the worship over here? Have you lost your mind? There was a number of thoughts going through my mind. I'm not sure if you picked that up. And I'm going, yeah, what am I doing? You know, I mean, I love, I love, this is my home. This church is my home. You know, I, I love being in the big house. It's really good. But um, I, I love getting here. Couldn't I get here quick enough? Didn't exceed any speed limits, so it's okay. <laughs> I was driving Alex's car. It was impossible. But anyway. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. You know, I found myself at one stage, people driving past me, and I'm thinking, why are they staring at me? I still have the L plates on. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I pulled over. I had to st- I had to lay my seat down to get the one off the back. Yep. People stopped looking at me after that. Isn't it amazing though that sometimes fiery situations come our way, but we stray away from them? I believe more than not, more than ever, God wants us to put us in the fire not only to burn off our impurities, but what it does is it encourages and inspires us. Charles Spurgeon once said, he said, build a fire in the pulpit and people will come and watch it burn. 
I'm going to say something now. I don't want you to be upset. I'm going to get ready to finish. Are we a church on fire? Well, I'd say not really. Some of you are going, oh, well, we've lost my tithe for the next week. Okay. I believe we're an extremely warm church. But warmth of friendship is not the same as the holy fire of God. I fear that too many of us sometimes get a little content and we set our spiritual thermometers too low to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he has to do. So whose fault is that? That's my fault. And that's my fault too. Okay, anyway. That's my fault, but it's also our corporate responsibility. I can't fan in the flame the gift of God that's inside of each one of you. You know what I mean? As much as I could try, I'd love to be able to do that. I try to inspire, I try to encourage. But you know what? Individually, it's each of our responsibilities to fan in the flame the gift of God. I can't put a Bible in your hand. I can't force you to read a reading plan every day. All I can do is constantly lead you to the cross and say, this is where you've got to humble yourself. This is where you've got to get yourself li- your life right. See, because God's not just going to grow the church because of slick advertising. We, we, we have, you know, let's be honest, we have enough gear to well and truly meet a church of two or three hundred people. We've got great talent, we've got great sound system and everything like that, along those lines. But there's just one thing missing, and I think that sometimes that's the fire of God. Deep in our hearts. My challenge to you today is this. If you don't feel that fear, that fire of God is on the inside of you, then why not? Whatever's stopping you from having that fire of God at work in you, you need to address now. I, I, I can sit down, I can pray with you till the cows come home, but if you're not willing to fan in the flame the gift of God, that's what Paul said to Timothy, fan in the flame the gift of God that's in you, the fire of God that's in you. That's how you get a fire going. That's how, you, that, that's how you take it from just being a spark to igniting it to letting it totally consume your life. That's how we impact the community that we're in. It's good to be a warm church? Yeah. Are we a welcoming church? Incredibly welcoming. I couldn't fault you for that matter. A number of people who come here, that say to me, this place just feels like home. I feel comfortable here. And that's great. But I believe there's more. I believe some of you have illnesses, sicknesses. You need breakthrough. You know how that comes? By fanning the flame, the gift of God that's in you. God's got awesome things that he wants to do in some of your lives. I agree with what Ruth was saying about you, Nathan. I believe God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Same for you, Dustin. I believe that God's got specific plans. Junior, you know I was looking at you. I can tell you, I know God's got a plan for your life. God's got things that he's wanting to do, things he's wanting to break loose, break free, break, see, break free from. But you know what? You know, sometimes we are Christians. I wish I had one here. Where's Matt when you need him? A fire extinguisher, okay? We're like that, with, we're like that as Christians, you know what I mean? Soon as there's a, uh, as soon as there's an ounce of, of uh, godly zeal comes up, we almost put it out ourselves. Oh, God wouldn't use me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I've got sickness in my life. Well, God won't help me. For crying out loud, put down the spiritual coal box, okay, and fan in the flame the gift of God that is in you. Amen? 
If you want to be on fire for God, I'm going to do a simple thing. I'm not doing an altar call. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, and we're going to pray. You're going to say to God, you're saying to God today, Lord, I'm on fire for you. I need your fire at work in my life. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, God, right now, your fire would come down in the hearts and the lives, God, of every man and woman, Father, who is standing in this place today. God, our desire, Father, is, Lord, to see your spirit consume every part of us, Father. God, let there be so much less of us. Let there be so much more of you, our Father, I pray. Lord, cause your Holy Spirit to, be, to, to just burn afresh in our hearts today. Oh, mighty God, I just really sense strongly right now that God's Spirit is in this place. He is surrounding us. I really sense it. I want you to reach out to him this morning. Just begin to speak out in tongues right now. Begin to invite him in your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, I need more of you. Holy Spirit, I need your fire at work in my life. Holy Spirit, consume every part of me. Make me the man, the woman that you've called me to be. Holy mighty God, I also pray, Lord, against those, um, those fire extinguisher moments, God, where we start to stop and doubt you, Father. We ask, God, you forgive us, Lord, for that, God, right now. I pray, God, that, Lord, you cause your fire, Lord, to consume every part of us, God. Lord, we want to be on fire for you, Father. Lord, we want to be consumed by you, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, Lord, forgive us for times when we've limited you. Forgive us for times, God, when we've held back, Father, from your spirit, burning the dross and the rubbish and the garbage in our lives, Father. Oh, God, I pray, God, that over these next days, these weeks and these months, you're going to transform this, the, us as a people, Father, from being warm to being holy on fire for you, Father. I pray, God, that, that, Lord, men and women will come and watch this place burn with your spirit, Father. Lord, cause men and women, Lord, to be drawn to us, Father. Lord, I, I thank you, Father, that your word says that if I be lifted up, if Jesus be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. I pray that, Father, as that Holy Spirit is burning at work in our lives, as we continue to be students of your word, as we pray, as we seek your spirit, as we come into fellowship, God, I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to bring the prodigals home, Father. That you'll begin to draw them back in, Father. That, Lord, we can pack out this hall, Father, for the sake of Jesus. That we can see lives transformed. Lord, sicknesses, Lord, will disappear in Jesus' name. Lord, barren bodies, Lord, will give birth in Jesus' name. Oh, Rabbi Kishir, Father, dreams and destinies, Father, that have been stopped, Father, will come to life again, will be resurrected, I pray. Mighty God, we commit our church to you. We commit our lives to you. Holy Spirit, I speak it over our church. I speak it over us as men and women. Thank you, Father. I am believing God right now. As we take this stand, you're going to cause your fire to fall, not only in this church, but you're going to cause it to fall on the people of our church. Those with illnesses and sicknesses, Father, those things are going to disappear. Financial lack is going to be consumed and God is going to give the abundance and the blessing that you need according to your giving.
as long, remember what I'm saying here, church. See this in the spirit. God wants to bring abundance and blessing. Jesus said, I've come that you'd have life and you'd have it in abundance. Then the question is, then is my giving lining up? Is my financial giving lining up with your word? Is, is, is the time I'm spending with you, is it lining up with the word of God? Am I investing my life in the right things, in the right places, or am I just tempting Christ? Mighty God, I commit it to you right now. Every man, every woman, every young person who's standing, Father, we want the fire of God in our lives, in our church. We speak it right now. And Father, I speak blessing over your people. I thank you, Father, for the giving heart in this church. I thank you for John and Jenny and the way that the church was able to bless them last week. Thank you, God, for a people who, who show respect and honour to those that have worked so hard and committed in the house. I give you thanks for that now. I thank you, God, with expectation, with fervour and excitement to what you're going to do these next days, these next weeks. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. amen.